Hi everyone, you're listening to Guts and Girl Bits. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and I hope to share with you all sorts of information about women's health and digestive health to educate and empower you to make informed choices about your own health. Please remember that all information is general and does not replace consulting with a healthcare practitioner. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Guts and Girl Bits. I hope everyone's doing well at this time of the year as I know that it can be filled with so much fear and uncertainty. But if you're stuck at home with the kids then I've got some information to share that might make your life a little bit easier because sometimes there can be things that can contribute towards a little bit of behavioural issues with kids that you might not really have thought about and it can be very common and frankly a little bit ill. So what I have to say is consider worming your kids and you can thank me later. Now you would be surprised at not only how common worm infestations are in kids but also how much something like worms can do to your kids. It can affect their behavior, sleep, energy levels and so much more. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, my kid hasn't really been scratching their bum, well, you don't actually have to have an itchy bum to have worms. So if you suspect that your kid or potentially even yourself might have worms based on the information you're about to hear, then it might actually pay to take a little look. Now, I'll talk more about what the symptoms of what worms can be and what symptoms it can cause as well a little bit later. I do find that gut stuff is one of the key drivers for so many symptoms in kids, but especially so in generally in kids and adults in mental and behavioral health. And so it goes down to the fact that that your digestive system has so much impact on your overall health, but particularly so in neurotransmitters. But in the case of worms, think of it like this, is that it's something that is constantly affecting sleep. Worms are their most active when you're asleep. And so think of how you feel when you're chronically sleep deprived. You'd feel cranky and agitated and, yeah, just not really very cooperative. Well, your kids would probably feel the same way, but they don't understand the connection between my sleep is disturbed because something's going on in my gut. So we have to sort of make that connection ourselves. And sometimes people will bring kids into the clinic and say, like, I'd really like something to help with his concentration or his behavior. But I'm not really thinking of giving them some ginkgo in this instance because through a bit of case taking that it's going, "Mm, I think there's something going on a little bit deeper. And so if you pay very close attention to the state of the digestive system, you can see that there's actually a little bit of aggravation happening there. And I also really like to have a look at blood tests because your regular blood tests can also give you lots of information into this area. So I don't want to necessarily give ginkgo in this instance because you can take herbs and nutrients for brain health till the cows come home, but it's not really going to fix the problem. It's really important to treat the underlying cause generally, but especially so when it comes to naturopathic medicine. And so for many kids, Digestive stuff, that is the underlying cause. And you can't act well if you don't feel well. And so this comes down to how do we actually identify the worms and then how do we go about treating it. Now, I'm going to tell you the signs and symptoms of a worm infection and you will be surprised that it can do so many things. 
So while the common stuff might be things like some digestive upset, like some digestive pain or diarrhea or what they call um, pruritus ani or an itchy bum, that's not the only signs that it can cause. It can also cause disturbed sleep and it can cause kids to wake up with nightmares, screaming. It can cause a lot of mood behaviours, mood swings, particularly anger and violence. Another thing that's quite common as well is um, when children tend to hit themselves out of frustration. Again, that's like this feeling of such frustration and unrest that they don't know how to vocalise and to express and it's coming from inside. They can also do a lot of teeth grinding or bruxism as it's called. They might tend to pick their nose. They might have issues with their weight or they might have a little bit of a pot belly. But again, these are typical symptoms but aren't always there. They also might have an issue with their appetite or they might be fussy eaters. They might have a few food cravings as well because any type of digestive infection will often send out signals asking for whatever fuels them and sometimes that can override what the kids are doing, what the kids actually want as well. So it can come up as strange sort of cravings. Another thing is that worms can really aggravate the digestive system and when the digestive system is aggravated it can contribute towards nutritional deficiencies. One of those could be something like iron or zinc deficiency which is quite common in kids and that in itself goes a long way to causing behavioural stuff as well because iron deficiency can cause things like anger, restless legs or it could cause fatigue or issues with dopamine, so reward-seeking behaviour. And zinc craving, um, zinc deficiency can also contribute towards a lot of symptoms as well. So in particularly in girls, it can also contribute towards symptoms like vulval pain, irritation, itching, or unusual discharge, or it might contribute towards urinary incontinence or urinary infections. And so if you think about the way that the worms can actually migrate, it can be a common factor that's not really identified if you're not thinking outside the square. So the common age group for worms to occur is between 7 to 11 years of age, which is in that sort of primary school group, but any person regardless of age can get worms. So if worm infestations do become chronic or recurring, this can be a sign of a deeper digestive and immune imbalance, which needs further treatment. So I do suggest if that's happening for yourself or your child to seek help from a practitioner such as a naturopath or a herbalist, etc. So let's talk a little bit about the journey of the worm. Well, what will often happen is that the eggs that are laid around the anus tend to be a combination of male and female eggs. And how do the worms get back into the system? Well, typically um, there, there's going to be some irritation and itching caused there. So what will happen is the kid will probably scratch down there, usually during, during their sleep and they might not even be aware of it, but quite often because kids are gross when they're awake too. And then they will put their fingers in their mouth or they will handle their food and then they'll reconsume those eggs and then it continues their life cycle. It's also possible for the larvae to actually crawl backwards up into the anus as well, but typically it goes around the cycle again. The male worms don't really survive as long as the female worms do, but the female worm will survive the longest and travel through right towards the end of the digestive system 
and it will exit the anus and lay eggs down along the entrance of the anus and the perineum and repeat the whole cycle. So the little larvae from the eggs, that's what causes that itching and irritation. And it's been found that children do have eggs and sometimes even the larvae underneath their fingernails. So one of those reasons, again, that we really want to keep our kids' fingernails short and try to um, gently encourage them, um, maybe not like how I do, like stop putting your fingers in your mouth. Maybe do it just like, yeah, don't do that, darling. <laughs> Is that how we're meant to parent? Um, and stop them to put their fingers in their mouth all the time and wash their hands before preparing food, etc. If you think about how fast that female worm can travel, then it makes sense how it can actually go in females, in girls, from the anus around into the vulval area and vagina and urethra and cause the damage that it can do there too. So if you suspect that there's something going on there, again, it's important to talk to a practitioner to get some additional support because that one's a little bit more complicated. So how do you know if your kid has worms? Like I was saying before, sometimes you can pick up signs through blood tests and through signs and symptoms as well. But sometimes, you know, the classic, you can't beat it. And there's a few techniques that I recommend that you do if you do suspect it. And one of them is, now I warn you, these are not particularly pleasant or enjoyable for either party to do. But one of them is the sticky tape test. And what you actually have to do for that is to get the sticky tape, get some sticky tape and first thing in the morning, put it onto the anus, like so around the perineum on all the skin surrounding that and take it off and it should actually carry any eggs along with it or some of the eggs and then do that three mornings in a row and then you'll actually be able to see on the sticky tape little white balls that um, if you've got good eyesight you should be able to see them, otherwise take them to your doctor who can have a look under the microscope and then that's a pretty good confirmation of the presence of worms. And in literature, that's still referred to as the best way to actually identify it. The other method is to actually have a look in the middle of the night with a torch, sneak into the bedroom and have a look at your child's bottom because the worm can sometimes be out on her little adventure laying her eggs at this time. So you may be able to see some activity there. In really severe cases, you can sometimes see the presence of worms in the toilet bowl, but this isn't always as common. Unfortunately, the more complicated stool tests don't always really find any evidence of worms, so those are the best options that you have. So how do you get rid of the worms? Well, like I said before, you have to be really good at getting your kids to be a bit more hygienic and you also have to play a part in um, clearing the contamination from the bed sheets and pyjamas and underwear and all sorts of things like that. When you are washing the bed sheets, you do want to wear gloves and a face mask as well because it's possible that the eggs can be lifted up into the air and you can inhale them. If you've got a more persistent chronic case, then it's also important to iron the pyjamas and underwear so that the heat can kill any eggs that are there as well. 
And as far as treatment goes in terms of killing the worms, the ones that are most commonly available in the chemist can be really effective if you take it on a semi-regular basis um, and tend to not really have many damaging effects at all. Um, but if you are so inclined, there are definitely herbal options available. For instance, taking garlic, pomegranate, that sort of thing. But there's also a fair amount of literature that says that the supplement chondroitin sulfate can be effective as well. If you've got a persistent recurrent case, then it's really important to think about the state of the digestive system and the immune system. And um, also think about if there's anything that you're potentially doing that might be worsening the state of the digestive system as well, like what might be eating. I do suggest seeing a healthcare practitioner for support in this area because if you did want to do something a bit further beyond the traditional chemist options, it can get a little bit trickier. The other thing to consider is that while many parents are doing the right thing in terms of promoting their kids' guts health and taking a probiotic, these are actually possible to dampen the immune response within the gut, which is something that generally you want to happen. But in the case of worms, we don't want it to happen. So there are things such as the probiotics that can perpetuate the infestation. So it's again important to see a practitioner for help. But now you know what the signs are and now you know how to look for it and I'm pretty sure you're probably going to be doing a lot more hand washing in addition to what we're already doing for COVID aren't we so I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and send me a message if you have any requests for topics and please leave us a review bye everyone <laughs>